Well, life can throw all kinds of ups and downs at us, and following Jesus, serving in ministry, following Jesus, uh, throws ups and downs at us as well. I was thinking about this this uh, last week, and when I came across an article about uh, a pastor who has influenced the church in, in a, many different ways in the last uh, 30, 35 years, I suppose, 40 years, uh, he started church in the Chicago area. He's a prominent uh, leader in the uh, in church and, and an author. I just pulled books that I own written by him or that were influenced by him and his church off the off my bookshelf. And, and I guess I've never done this. I suppose if I counted all the uh, different uh, authors and the books on my bookshelf, this has to be, you know, the most books I own by one, one single uh, author. And so I just pulled those off to kind of show you just the influence on, uh, I guess, my bookshelf anyway, or that one row, right, uh, of the bookshelf that this man has had on, on the church. It, it, if you've been involved in church in the last 30 years, you've, you've experienced something uh, that this church has influenced another church to do. For instance, in the, the church that I served before I started here at Wallula, one of the things uh, that church did is that in every worship service, they had a skit that went with the message that day. And so uh, it's one of the things I hated most about that church because when you delivered the message, I didn't hate the skits, but when you delivered the message, you were responsible for writing that little one-act play, the three- or four-minute play that went on before the message, and it was just one of the things that uh, I was not especially good at and I struggled with, and sometimes I felt like, man, I'm really trying to cram, I'm trying to engineer this skit to work with the message, and, and it was just hard, but that's influenced by this church, and this guy kind of, uh, that church pioneered that, and, or at least made that popular in modern church service, and so if you've, if you've gone to church in the last 35 years, you've experienced probably something in a worship service that's been influenced by this pastor and his church, and I read this article about this guy who's retiring, and he was set to retire and had a transition plan, and this church is still influencing, because one of the things they did in this transition plan is that they, they hired somebody to be the lead pastor, and they hired somebody to be the kind of primary teaching pastor, and so they split this role that's generally found in one person in a church as the lead and, and lead teaching pastor in a church, and, and that causes all kinds of things, because generally you're, you're talking about a person who either has some leadership skills who's trying to figure out how to teach, or somebody who has some teaching skills who's trying to figure out how to lead, and I'll leave it to you to try to determine what you're stuck with, but that, that's generally how it works. It's rare that you find one person with kind of all of those skills all wrapped up into one, and so this church continues to influence and kind of dividing that role, and we'll see how that works there and, and all of that, but this article was about this guy retiring three months early, and he's retiring three months before he planned to, because some women came forward and, and uh, started talking about some different ways that he had mistreated them throughout the years. And you can kind of fill in the blanks and how those ways are. And you can go look, at the, look up that article and, and figure it out for yourself. We won't dive into that. But I will just tell you that I read that article and I kind of get to that point And I sat down, right, and I just take a deep breath. And I think, oh man. And so I, then I did something that I do uh, too much of the time. I went to the bottom of the article online and I read the comments, right? And you start to read these comments and the comments really break your heart. 
because they're filled with things like uh, that figures. You know, here we go again. You know, the comments where people sort of have this expectation of church and church leaders failing. And I, I, I guess I, I'm, I'm torn here. I, it just reminded me, no matter how, you, how, you, how that shakes out, right? It reminded me of how ministry and how life is filled with ups and downs. Here's a person who has been used by God in really positive and tremendous ways. If there's one person that I've never met that's influenced me in, in the greatest way, it's this guy. And there's just a reminder that every one of us is in the exact same shape, right? We're in desperate need of a Savior, and it, sin impacts all of our lives in all kinds of ways. And there's just this hurdle, this valley, this hole that it seems like the church has to dig its way out of again. And it left me thinking, you know, we can, we can make it through the ups and downs of following Jesus. And, and this story that, that we find Paul and Barnabas as they continue on this missionary journey in Acts chapter 14, verses 1 through 20, we're going to read some ups and downs on this journey. Uh, they'll be easy for you to spot. And uh, it, it teaches us four steps to being able to navigate those ups and downs in life and certainly the ups and downs in following Jesus. If you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to open them to the 14th chapter of the book of Acts. We're going to take a look at the first 20 verses in chapter 14 of the book of Acts this morning. Acts chapter 14, verses 1 through 20. This is what God's word says. At Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went as usual into the Jewish synagogue. There they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. But the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the other Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable, considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord, who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. The people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, others with the apostles. There was a plot afoot among both Gentiles and Jews, together with their leaders, to mistreat them and stone them. But they found out about it and fled to the Lyconian cities of Lystra and Derbe and to the surrounding country where they continued to preach the gospel. In Lystra there sat a man who was lame. He had, never, he had been that way from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed, and called out, Stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. When the crowd saw that Paul, what Paul had done, they shouted in the Lyconian language, the gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul they called Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city gates, because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. 
But when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard of this, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd, shouting, Friends, why are you doing this? We too are only human like you. We, we are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. In the past, he let all the nations go their own way, yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their season. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. Even with those words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside of the city, thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. All right, so a really interesting story, and it's easy as we read that story and the different events that take place, it's easy to spot sort of the highs, the ups that Paul and Barnabas were experiencing as they were working to share the story of Jesus in these different cities. And it's easy to spot as they shared those sto that story of Jesus in those different cities, the lows, the, the, the downs that they experienced on that journey as well. And I think it teaches us four steps to... Uh, making our way through the ups and downs of serving Jesus. Uh, step number one is to remember that it's good news. Remember, it's good news. At Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went as usual into the Jewish synagogue. There they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. Last week we talked about that a, a pattern developed with Paul and Barnabas and their, their ministry. And when they entered into a city, if there was a synagogue there, they went to the synagogue. And we talked a little bit about the strategy and why they do that. And we just see that they continued to do that as they enter into Iconium. And, and they go to the synagogue. And, and it, it just struck me, you know, as usual. They, they went there as usual. And I, I suppose in church, sometimes we, we uh, give as usual a hard time. You know, we give tradition a hard time. And I thought this summer that there are some as usual kinds of things going on here at Wallula Christian Church. We, we've, uh, at the beginning of June, we had a week of vacation Bible school. And that's an as usual kind of thing. We do that every summer here at Wallula. And uh, kids have just returned from church camp. That's an as usual sort of event here at Wallula Christian Church. Students in, in high school will be taking off for CIY in about a week. I know my kids are excited about that trip and all that it holds for them. That's an as usual sort of event here at Wallula Christian Church. In fact, even this morning we gathered together and we're, we're doing some as usual kind of things here this morning. We're, we're singing songs of praise to Jesus. We share communion together. Uh, we, we give back to, to God together. We study his word together. All of these things are as usual sorts of things. But I think about the great impact that that week of vacation Bible school had. I think about the, the, the kids who have decided to follow after Jesus because of church camp. I think about the good that will happen at that CIY in, in, a, in a, just a, a week or so. And the, the students and families who will be impacted because of the difference that those speakers and the, the, the sponsors and the youth coaches and the relationships developed with other students, all of that stuff, the difference that it'll make in the lives of those families for Jesus. And I think, man, as usual, you know, it, it's really valuable sometimes. And sure, we have to evaluate as usual and we have to determine should we keep doing, be 
should we keep doing the as usual stuff, but sometimes it's so valuable, and, and Paul understood that, and he spoke, and, and it was so effective, scripture says, that many folks decided to follow after Jesus. Verse 2 says, but the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the other Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. We see the ups and downs starting already. So Paul, Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. So we're going to see a pattern of ups and downs in this story. And one of the things we'll see is that, that Paul just keeps going. He understands, he remembers that he has a story to share that is so meaningful, that is so good, that it's worth it. And he sticks to it, even as people criticize him, even as he faces, you know, physical danger. He'll stick to it. And that, that's what we read here in verse, in verse uh, 3, that they spent considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord, who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. Now, sometimes we read a verse like that and we think, well, that's a New Testament verse, that happened in the first century, and it happened for a specific reason, and that sort of stuff doesn't happen today. But I, what I want you to know is that verse 3 still makes as big an impact today as it did in the first century. Because what we're reading in verse 3 is we're reading folks who say, I believe that Jesus is God's son, and then combine that bold speak speech. They combine that bold speech with real service. And when you combine bold speech with real service, you have this powerful combination. And you can see that even as we talk about the as usual sorts of stuff that we talked about this, this, uh, this summer at Wallula, you can see the impact that it's making because it's this bold speech combined with real service that, that combines for this powerful combination. I, I was at my mom's house, our family was at my mom and dad's house for a fourth of july and we you know we'd launch fireworks and we had a cookout and and mom brought out a dessert and man it looked pretty good i said mom you know this is this looks really good but you know it's the fourth of july it's america's birthday right and it, it's we're at grandma's house this dessert looks great but where's the apple pie right i mean uh, come to grandma's house mom hey Let's bake that apple pie, right? Because nobody bakes apple pie like my mom. And you might say, well, your mom bakes apple pie, but it's not as good as my mom's. All right, look at me. All right, this is testimony. All right? So this apple pie is really good. And, and you know, if you ask my mom, well, what's the secret to this apple pie? She would say, oh, it's no big deal, uh, probably. And then she might, if you press her on it, she would say something really lame that grandma say, well, and she would say, well, it's the love I put in the apple pie. Right? Well, I don't know if that's really true or not. But what I do know is that basically when you line up my mom's apple pie, you know, it's flour and sugar and apples and cinnamon and probably some other stuff I don't know about, right, in there. And you line up somebody's other apple pie that they made, and it's flour and sugar and apples and cinnamon and probably some other stuff I don't know about. But it's basically the same. So what makes my mom's apple pie so much better than your mom's apple pie? Well, it's this combination, huh? And maybe you might say, well, that's really nostalgia, it's not love. And you might say it's really what you're familiar with, it's not love. 
and you might say it's really the comfort of your mother and not love or whatever, however you want to describe it, but it's this combination of that apple and sugar and cinnamon and love or however you describe that that makes that the best apple pie. You know, there's all kinds of folks serving in all kinds of different ways in our world, and it's all good, right? But there's something that sets the church apart when the church serves. And you can call it whatever you want, but it's this combination of bold speech, of truth, of knowing and serving a risen Lord combined with his love and the love of his church in real service that can make this powerful impact in our world. And we see it making this powerful impact through the life of Paul and Barnabas. The people of the city were divided, though, in verse 4. Some sided with the Jews, others with the apostles. There was a plot afoot among both Gentiles and Jews together with their leaders to mistreat them and stone them. But they found out about it and fled to the Lyconian cities of Lystra and Derbe and to the surrounding country where they continued to preach the gospel. Some of your translations just spell out what the word gospel means. And that word gospel just simply means good news. And so some of your translations say, hey, they continued to teach. They continued to preach. They continued to share the good news. The first step that we have to keep in mind is to remember that the story that the church holds, the story that we have to share is good news. I've been talking with a buddy of mine who's been re-examining what he believes about uh, the New Testament and what he teaches. And, and one of the things that he has been saying is that, you know, the Western church has really made God into this God who is vengeful and who is mean-spirited and who is seeking, you know, this justice that he, he, he demands it and, and he requires sacrifice. And, and uh, I said, well, maybe that's all true, but it's good news. You know, he's allowed us to be a part of his family. He's made a way for us. Even though we owe a price that we can't afford to pay, he's made a way for us to know him and to grow in relationship with him. He's made a way for us for our sins to be forgiven. And we've seen this morning that every one of us is a sinner and falls short of the glory of God. We're in desperate need of a, of a Savior. And that's the good news of the New Testament. That's the good news of this life and and teaching, and ministry, death, and resurrection of Jesus, that it allows for us to make our way into that family and be a part of that story. Step number one is to remember that it's good news we have to share. Step number two is to realize that God is bigger than our circumstances. So Paul and Barnabas take off. They, they find out about this plot, and they escape town. They sneak out of town before anything bad can happen. So that's that's how our story goes. In verse 8, it says, In Lystra, there sat a man who was lame. He had been that way from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed, and called out, Stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. God's bigger than our circumstances. He was bigger than Paul and Barnabas' circumstances in, in Iconium. And they found out about this plot, and they decided we have to go share the good news somewhere else. And so they left town, and they 
discover this man preaching kind of in the, the open air, it seems. You know, we've just learned in Iconium that they generally go to a synagogue. So it seems like there wasn't a synagogue to preach at. And so they just start sharing the story of Jesus. And here's this guy who hasn't been able to walk since birth, who's listening to the story of Jesus. And when Paul looks at him, he says, man, you, you believe. And so get up and walk. And the man jumped to his feet. You know, if you go back a few chapters in the book of Acts, you'll read in Acts chapter 3 the story of Peter and John, and now they're outside the temple, and they're, they're walking into the temple, and they see this, this guy who, again, has not been able to walk. He's been lame since birth. He hasn't been able to walk his entire life. And, and he's looking up, and he's asking for, for some help. He's asking for money. And, and Peter looks at him and says, I don't have any money. I don't have any gold or silver, but what I do have, I'll give to you. Get up and walk. And he tells him about Jesus and this man in Acts chapter 3. If you go back and read the story, the similarities are, are, they just line up. This guy jumps to his feet and he begins to worship and he begins to celebrate God and the difference that he made. It reminds me of so many stories of Jesus in the gospel. If you go back to Luke chapter 5, you'll read about this story of some friends bringing their buddy to Jesus on a mat and Jesus looks at this man and he says, your sins are forgiven. Take up your mat and, and go and walk. And this guy gets up and he takes up his mat and he begins to worship and to celebrate the difference that God has made in his life. And I think there's some similarities to the story because uh, Paul wants us to understand, uh, God wants us to understand that, you know, the story of Jesus, when it's shared, it can be powerful. And it, it, it is the same thing that was true in the life of Jesus is true in the life of Peter as he shares the story of Jesus. And the same thing that's true in the life of Peter is true in the life of Paul as he shares the story of Jesus. And the same thing that's true in the life of Paul can be true in our lives as we share the life of Jesus, as we speak boldly. As we live out truth in our life, and as we serve in real service in our communities, and in our families, and in our churches, that impact can be just as big as the one experienced in this man's life. God is bigger than our circumstances. Uh, Jesus continues to forgive sins. I, I guess if you're looking at those three stories, the one difference really is, is that Peter and Paul both talk about the person's faith. And Jesus just looks at the guy that he heals and says, your sins are forgiven. That's the real impact, huh? And Jesus is the only one who can forgive sins. But the story of Jesus, we share that, that story with others. And, and just as surely as that guy's sins were forgiven in Luke chapter 5, our sins can be forgiven today when we say yes to Jesus and when we realize that God is bigger than our circumstances. That no matter what we're facing in life, no matter the mistakes we've made, no matter the choices we've made, today we can say yes to Jesus, and our life can begin new, just like these three guys who got up, and they started to celebrate. They started to celebrate a new life. Now let's think about those three guys, because they begin this new life, they all still had issues, didn't they? None of these guys had worked their entire lives. None of them had a job instantly, right? They had some things to figure out. Probably they had to, some, some things to figure out about how they were going to care for themselves and where they were going to live. And, and they probably had some relationships that had suffered because of their situation. And, and they would want to restore those relationships. They all had issues that still needed to 
be worked on and figured out. And as we begin that new life and we can start a new life living with Jesus, we're all going to face some ups and downs still. That new life isn't all up and to the right. We'll all face the same ups and downs that, that these folks face in Acts chapter 14 and that we're thinking of and remembering today. Step number two is to realize that God is bigger than your circumstances. Step number three is to remember to give him credit. And every one of these stories, when the, the person was healed, they jump up and they celebrate and they start to worship. But this is where our story gets a little bit weird. Verse 11 when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Lyconian language, the gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul they called Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside of the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. So when they see the, the miracle that's performed, the, the crowd gives credit, not to God, but to these gods, these Roman gods, the uh, Zeus and, and, uh, and Hermes. And, and there's a Greek gods, there's a, a, a legend that goes with Lystra and these two gods. The legend says that, that uh, uh, Hermes and Zeus had visited the city, you know, thousands of years before or whatever, and, and that uh, nobody recognized them. And in fact, only two people in the city recognized these two gods, and everybody else was killed in the city but these two guys who recognized uh, Zeus and Hermes. And so maybe it's this teaching of this legend that, that kind of rears its head, and, and these folks don't want to miss, they don't want to miss the gods present in their sight. And I guess the irony is they're missing the God present in their sight. They're missing the difference that Jesus has made in this guy's life. And, and Paul and Barnabas right away in verse 14 say, no, you, you guys kind of missed the point here. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd shouting, friends, why are you doing this? We too are only human like you. We're bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. In the past, he let all the nations go their own way, yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their season. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. Even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. Remember to give God the credit. You know, when we, when we look at those circumstances that God is bigger than and we evaluate where we're at in life. Sometimes, sometimes we're on an up and sometimes we're on a down. And even when we're on a down, even when things don't seem to be going our way, man, if we look hard enough, we can probably figure out how God is taking care of us. That's what Paul is trying to tell to, to the, the, this crowd of folks. He said, no, 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 no. The, the rain that comes and the crops that grow, that's because of the one living God who has cared for you and taken care of you. Even as you misapply the credit, he's taken care of you and he continues to provide for you. And if we examine our own circumstances, we can probably find the different ways that God has blessed us, sometimes even as we've ignored him, sometimes even as we've misapplied, as we've misapplied the credit in our own lives, God has continued to be faithful and to take care of us, and we have to remember to give him the credit in our lives. Step number four is to respond to the support offered not the criticism. Look at the last two verses here in our story. 
Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. But after uh, the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. What an amazing ending to our story. Because here's a guy who is experiencing, uh, I mean, this is the lowest of lows. Paul is doing exactly what he should do. He's giving credit to God. And then these, these folks that he upset in the town before, that he had to escape before they could hurt him, they follow him to the next town. And they began to sort of uh, incite the crowds and to speak against Paul. And so they decide, hey, we're going to do what we couldn't do in Iconium. And they, they stone him. They hurl rocks at Paul until they think they've killed him. And they carry him outside of town. You know, I, I, this last step, I, we think about criticism. And when people criticize us, maybe, maybe for following Jesus. Maybe they criticize us for whatever reason, though, in your life. You know, you can fill in with any corny story because in comparison to Paul, the stories are all going to be corny, right? Just this last week, I, I had some folks uh, criticize me, and it was about something stupid, and they were wrong. <laughs> all right? I'm just, I'm just arrogant enough. I mean, it was unfounded. It was ridiculous. It wasn't about church or anything like that. It was just about stupid stuff, and they were critical of me. And I went home, and even though they were wrong, and it was unfounded, and it didn't matter, you know what happened? I felt bad. My feelings were hurt. And you know what I thought about all that night, and like the next day, and probably the next day, was this criticism that was unfounded, was incorrect, and was meaningless. And all I could focus on was that. Because my feelings were hurt, and I felt bad. And I get that that's a goofy, stupid, corny story in comparison to what happens to Paul, because Paul isn't just criticized, not somebody's pointing out, you made the wrong choice, they threw rocks at him, right? Until they thought he was dead. And they drug him outside of town. But we all deal with that sort of criticism in our life, and man, it's so easy just to focus on that. But this is a tremendous end to our story because what happens to Paul? It says the disciples. Do you understand what that means? Disciples are what? They're followers of Jesus. Well, who are the disciples? We're not talking about 12 guys in this story. We're not talking about 12 guys who traveled around with Jesus. We're talking about people like you and like me who were a part of God's family who were a part of the church, who gathered around Paul. Now, we don't know the extent of the miracle here. Scripture says that they thought Paul was dead, so I suppose, I, I take that to mean just that Paul hadn't really died. So I don't think there's like this resurrection here, but Paul had just had rocks hurled at him until people were convinced that he died. And so he's really either very good at playing possum or they had hurt him in a serious way. They had done physical damage to him. And so I think there's something miraculous that occurs here because Paul jumps up. You know, it's like a World Cup game. He's down and then he jumps up 
and he goes back into the city. You know, there is real power. There is real power in the encouragement that happens inside the church. Look, when you're physically ill, I want you to go to the doctor first and then small group, but there's power in the encouragement of the church. You know, our small groups will be beginning here at Wallula Christian Church in just about another month or so. Sign-ups are going to start real soon. Next week, we'll have a leaders meeting. The information's in the bulletin. If you've thought about leading a group before, pay special attention to that meeting. Come out and find out what that means because there's just something important. There's something powerful about encouragement that happens amongst believers. And that happens best in small groups. And one of the ways we facilitate that here at Wallula Christian Church is through our small group ministry. And so pay attention to the information that you'll see about being a part of a small group. If you've thought about leading a group before, come and just find out what that means at the meeting next Sunday. And just the encouragement in all kinds of different levels and different ways in our life is spiritual encouragement, emotional encouragement, You know, sometimes even physical encouragement. There's real value to that rest and that spiritual nurturing and just development that happens in those groups. Respond to the support offered, not the criticism. And we have to have relationships in order to do that, just like Paul, as he's surrounded by the church. And he's restored by those relationships and by that support. And that's where that real power comes from. I was distressed when I read that article about this church leader, and I'm sitting at a ball game this week because uh, if I'm not sitting in my office, I'm probably sitting at a ball game in the summer, and I'm sitting at this ball game, and I'm watching this, uh, my kid play baseball, and I get this phone call, and it's a phone call from somebody here at church, and they're just talking about a situation, and a conversation they had, and they're, they're asking advice about it, and I don't have very good advice to offer them. I'm no real help as usual, but I'm having this conversation, and I'm so encouraged by this conversation, and not because I make any difference, because I don't, but because they're, they're, we're having this conversation about somebody here at church who's involved. You know, they haven't written any books that I know of. You know, there's not one on my shelf. They haven't started any churches that I know of. They haven't started any associations that support church plant. They haven't done any of that stuff that I know of. But they are serving and making a difference in this person's life. They're loving like Jesus. And I was so encouraged to see somebody experiencing their calling because they're in the middle of a down. They're not sure what to do. But they've experienced the ups and downs with this person already. And they're loving that person like Jesus loves them. We can get through the ups and downs of following Jesus and make a difference in other folks' lives. We can surround that person who's hurting. Let's go and love more like the church in Acts chapter 14. Let's stand and worship him.